Welcome to the Hero Podcast, hosted by Victor, the Rocket Man Rancor. Here to take your HVAC business and sales to the moon. Shooting live from beautiful Southern California. The Eagle has landed. Afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. This is Victor, your Victor, I, for whatever reason, the sound went out. Oh, you, can't hear, you can't hear anything? I can hear you now. There we go. Oh, perfect, man. Well, there we go. If you guys didn't hear I me, didn't welcome, hear any of it. If you guys didn't hear me, welcome to the Hero Podcast, episode number 15. I got Lawrence Castillo on here. Uh, this guy is actually the person who had made the final decision to give me an opportunity in the industry. Uh, and he was my manager at one point at Service Champions and has gone on to do some really great things. And now he's the president here uh, at Brody Purnell in uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, Lawrence, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, man? Excited to have you on. Sure. And it's good to see you. It's been a very long time and and I keep up with you and, and all the great stuff that you're doing out there. So congratulations to you. Thanks, man. Um, I, uh, you know, I've been doing this for some 20 plus years, uh, meaning running heating and air conditioning companies. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to um, work with a lot of great people and be able to mentor and tutor a lot of great students. Um, I am the operating partner and the president of Brody Pinnell um, here in the west side of Los Angeles. Uh, we're a 77-year-old company, the second oldest in LA, and uh, executing a great growth plan. Uh, LA Times readers voted us the best company in Los Angeles last year. Um, and I'm just fighting the good fight every day like you are, Victor, and I'm executing the same principles that, you know, we talked about once upon a time and that we learned from other smart people. And um, so that's what I'm doing here. And uh, it's just, like I said, it's good to see your success. It's good to see the success of all the, the people that I've had a chance to, you know, to touch their lives over the years and to mentor and to, uh, to coach. So, you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, just to, to kind of think back and, you know, you're not, people that aren't from Southern California don't really know the the dominance that a service champions had for a long period of time. And not only just the dominance as a business, but the, the amount of people and good people they've brought into the industry cultivated and, and have gone on to do great things. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've gone on to do some more great things after there. Um, a lot of our guys that, you know, you've trained, you know, they're running their own businesses or, you know, they've gone on to be very, very successful, high level sales guys. So you want to kind of give your backstory, like how did you get into heating and air? And then how did you kind of transition to where you're at now, man? Sure. And just to touch before I do that, to touch upon what you just said, there's no way to really express to people how special of a thing that we had going on over there at that time. The, the, the roster of talent from top to bottom, the quality of the management, the processes being put in place. You know, there are great businesses across America, great, very successful, huge heating and air conditioning companies. But what we had was so special. And there's a reason now that, you know, all these years later that people talk about service champions and Leland and they're snapping up companies. And th there's a reason he 
is the leader of the pack in all of this is because he was just smarter than everybody. And he put something together that nobody could ever replicate. So we were lucky to be a part of it. And I'm just, you know, and, and you were a part of it as well. And it was just magical time, you know? Yeah. And I was, you know, I was part of it, you know, before we, you know, we were in the Yorba Linda branch before we moved into Brea, man. And just, uh, you know, that was the big switch, right? That was when it went from a fun and wild company. Like, and then I feel like when we went moved into Brea is when it's kind of like, Hey, we're corporate now, this is how we operate. And it's, it's, you know, it's nostalgia, right? Like I, I just came in like about a year before they moved into the new building and, and just the culture there was just, it's just crazy, man. Like everybody was just, you know, I always tell people we had some of the biggest dogs in the industry all in one room, just ready to just go make money. I mean, we're selling systems, double, triple our competition. And it was like nothing to us. Right. And I think that was, it was kind of cool to see. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, will never get the opportunity to kind of see the high level talent that we had in that room. I mean, like you said, top to bottom from Arroyas to Jim to, you know, James Stewart, there's a bunch of guys that just came through that were just fantastic. And, you know, I still remember, you know, obviously we went through the hiring process and I think that was one of the big things with service champions and how you guys did your processes of hiring, right? Like you made it feel like you want to fucking, you want a gold medal by actually getting through the interview process. I still remember like, I'm like on my third interview, I'm like, dude, like what do these guys want from me? And, and that's what, that's what kind of created it. Like when you got the opportunity, you didn't want to lose it. And then, you know, obviously coming in and I still remember it was the, the very first day and you were the general manager at that time. And I got sat through Ray and, and doing all this stuff. I was sat through Ray's meeting all day. And all of a sudden you come in and I'm like, no one knows who you are at this point. Like, Oh, you're the GM, right? We're all just nervous. It's day one. And you walk in and you said, Hey, who in here can sell me this pen? And we're like, what? <laughs> like sell you a pen. And, and I think there was a couple of guys that kind of hiccuped on. I didn't, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't even know what HVAC stood for at that point. So I was just like really, really shell shocked and sitting in awe, just watching you explain how you would sell things. And it was pretty cool, man. So well, I appreciate that. And that was the wild West. Like we were, it was just, there were five of us that were handling all the training for these training classes. And this was like way back when, and, and we were dividing our day and sometimes we'd get a phone call or get busy and we'd pass it off to one of the other managers, me and my service managers. And, um, you know, we were putting it together, but now all these years later, it's been perfected. It's just a machine. Um, but boy, in those days, man, we just, we were doing our best and we were, we were killing it. It was really yeah. special it's, times. It's funny. Now they have, you know, these big training facilities and they're putting out 50 yeah. to hundred technicians every couple months. And I think, you know, when, when I was coming in, it was still like the kind of the beginning of this, like training, bringing guys in, but there was no real process in place. You it's showed true. up, you went through some books and then, you know, it was a couple of weeks. And then, I mean, half the time I was in training, they just sent me out with the install crew and told me to go do demo. And then, and then eventually they threw us in our trucks and said, Hey, figure it out. Right. And like, now it's like, Oh, now they're doing technical training and they're going to school and they got to sign contracts and all this crazy shit. So uh, it's pretty cool. So how did you get to like, I mean, how did you become the GM of service champions? I don't really know the whole backstory or how you ended up sure. over there. Sure. I, uh, I started in this industry, you know, in the early two thousands uh, at a little company in Simi Valley. And, um, friend of mine hired me there as the GM on day one because he was just, he was not doing well. Um, he was great friends with Ken Goodrich and Ken Goodrich said, you need to be in residential heating and air conditioning because this guy had been in the commercial side. He said, if you're residential, you go in, you grab $10,000 and you're in and out in one day, it's just a better business model. So he took that advice and he quickly found out that he just was not a good manager of people. So he brought me in and uh, we were able to do some really good things. But at that time, 
I walked in the door, I didn't know anything. And it was all a bunch of um, Airtime 500 stuff that that's where I learned all these processes, the same processes used at Bell Brothers and Service Champions and all of these great companies, right? Yeah. Learned it all there. And, uh, you know, my next stop after that was one hour heating and air conditioning when I ran the Los Angeles branch for, uh, for, for, uh, for that group and continued that same learning because that's where all that stuff was born. And um, anyway, so, you know, uh, after those opportunities, um, I had been a friend of Leland's uh, for a number of years. And um, the opportunity, we, we shared an award. We, we both won the Amanda Southern California Dealer of the Year back in like 2009 or 2010 or 2009, I think. Um, we both won it. And late that night at that award ceremony in Orange County, uh, we were the last guys in the room. We just talked uh, philosophy. We just talked about a bunch of stuff last guys to walk out. And within a few months, um, he asked me to dinner. We went and sat down in Orange County and talked about it. And, um, you know, we just sort of put together a deal over dinner one night. And, um, you know, my objective at Service Champions, and I had never run a company of that size before, you know, we were, I think, $15 million, I think, when I walked in the door. Um, still really in its infancy stage when you think about a company that's going to do $70 million. But at that time, there was just so much of the process wasn't in place yet, right? So um, my objective when I walked into the door was to bring some of the great ideas that had worked for me elsewhere. Um, but it was all, you know, Leland was tough proving ground. I go to Leland and I say, hey, there's this thing that we were selling in the Valley called the air scrubber. He said, no, 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 I don't, I'm not interested in that. I said, let me just show you had Tom Lozano come down, did, did the whole smoke box test. And Leland was like, okay, you can add it, right? Um, then attic insulation. I said, hey, I've had this great luck with attic insulation. The Valley been selling it for years. He said, nope, we're in and out burger. We're just heating and air conditioning. And so I said, he said, but if you write me a business plan and show me how we can make money, we'll think about it. So I wrote a business plan, found a subcontractor, built pricing, all this stuff. I take it to him. He says, okay, we'll give this a shot. And, and then he looks at the numbers and he says, okay, you need to get us on a run rate of half a million dollars after so, you know, a certain period of time, and then we'll invest in our own equipment. But until then, we're just going to sub this out. Within six months, we were just selling so much insulation. Now it's like seven or $8 million there now. But this was something he almost didn't buy into. Right. Well, and, I still uh, remember when that was because that's when I was coming in is when you guys first I still remember. Remember, they stole that insulation truck off the back of our out of the back of yes. our truck and dragged it yep. through the fucking parking lot. We're like, how do yep. you I, I actually installed the fucking thing in the truck. And I'm like and I still remember like a couple weeks later, they're like, yeah, someone stole it. I'm like, how did you drag that thing out of there? Like, it don't even make any sense. But Somebody who wanted it bad enough. Right. Yeah, I still remember. I remember because the machine wasn't legal in California, so they had to drive to Arizona. Gary had to get it shipped to it's his true. house in Arizona to bring it back out here. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, Leland was a tough customer, right? Um, yeah. I, you know, and I think of all the stuff that, you know, I did at Service Champions, the one thing that always, you know, and those are significant things, but the one thing that always sticks out in my mind is the the look of installations. Um Back in 2000 and the early 2000s, I, I was driving, picking up my kids from school up in Thousand Oaks, and I saw an orange truck, Pacific Air, the company out of Ventura, um, was parked out in front of a, a house doing an installation. 
garage door open. They're working in the, in the garage. And I was always hustling, trying to hire guys. So I pull over, I go in the, in the garage, I'm talking to the guys. I ended up hiring them away. But what I saw in that garage, like in 2004 or three, the quality of what was happening was something I had never seen before. And so I hired those guys. I made it standard in my companies. And so cut to a few years later, I end up at Service Champions. And I look at the quality of the installations and they were just, they weren't, they were no good. So I have a meeting. This was, and this was immediately as soon as I started there. Um, and I had a meeting and Leland said, I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to be with you. And he was in the meeting and, and I had all the installers and I showed them pictures of their installations and then on the big screen. And then I said, gentlemen, I said, all these years, I thought that my company was trying to be as good as the almighty service champions. I said, these are pictures of my installations. And I showed them on the slides and I said, starting today, this is standard operating procedure here. I wanted to say thank you guys so much for tuning into the Hero Podcast. Right now, we have a big announcement. Tickets to the Service Hero 10X event are officially on sale. You won't want to miss the event of the year, and we expect this thing to be sold out fast. So right now, general admission is only $14.95, and VIP is only $24.95. VIP includes one-on-one with all speakers and access to our amazing after parties. So if I was you, I'd rush to go get your tickets right away. You can reach me or DM me today and get your ticket to get you signed up. And we cannot wait to see you in Las Vegas. And there was so much groaning. And, and Frank Mina, who was the installation manager at the time, stood up and said, guys, he says, we're going to do it. This is the new boss. We're going to do it. And so I just needed one crew to do it. And they took a picture and they sent it in. And I put that picture on the wall in the warehouse. And then the other guys were going, well, we can do better than that. And then another picture went up and another picture. And I would write their name. And so this happened until the walls were filled with pictures. And it was a new thing, right? Sheet metal cap on the platform, bubble wrap everywhere. This was something that was not being done. And we did it there. And nowadays, when I see Facebook, when I see LinkedIn, when I see Instagram, I see that this has become a standard part of what's happening. And I know that it started with Alfonso Perez in 2003 or four in Thousand Oaks and just me running into that guy because once we started doing it at Service Champions, it is followed and everybody does this now. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, they all, they hit me up all the time because they see my stuff, especially in different states. And they're like, oh, how'd you come up? And I'm like, dude, I didn't come up with it. You know, it's you know, half of this business is called R&D, right? You got to rob and duplicate. And and once I saw, once, you know, being there and being a sales guy in the house and, and selling the product and how we're going to install it and why we install it that way, that's the same thing. Like when I started my business, I'm like, from day one, I'm like, this is how we do it. Like, this is how I learned at Service Champions. I don't want to put my name behind it unless it looks like that. So, I mean, a lot of it came back to you. So if you guys are wondering where that idea came from, now you guys know. Well, thank you. And that's the one thing that I really, I don't lay claim to much in this industry, but I know that when I see that, that, you know, it, you know, and, and thankfully Leland stood behind me, right? Those guys could have just said, no, but Leland said, just, you know, and, and, I, and I stood in front of the guys and I said, we're charging $20,000 for a split system. This has to look like a $20,000 job you have to open up the closet and it has to look like, like a Cadillac has been parked in the closet. And I put 
rolls of bubble wrap and rolls of flat uh, uh, flat stock on every truck. Um, and just, you know, anyway, that that's it's many years later, but I see that that has stood the test of time and it's really become a thing. So well, it's funny because, you know, I, I remember when I started and you were the general manager and the, the consensus in that business is like, hey, whoever the general manager is, is the next person to get fired because dealing with Leland, like, I mean, you know, so how was that? I mean, how was that experience working with him and, and day in and day out? Like what was his, you know, not like, I know that for him, he was there like seven days a week. It felt like he never left. So how was it working along someone like that? That's just relentless, you know, 24 seven. Um, and it's, I, the, obviously it, working with him. it's the best lesson that I could have ever learned in heating and air conditioning. I, I owe so much to him, but to be able to watch him work, he was there six to seven days a week. And, you know, I would see, because we had two buildings, right, on Yorba Linda, in Yorba Linda. His yeah. was the, mine was the operations building. His was the executive building, the administrative. And, you know, if his car was going to be parked there on a Saturday, I figured, okay, I need to be there on a Saturday, right? Like, he's trusted me to run his business, and I need to hold up my end of the bargain. So I started to work longer and more hours than I probably ever did. And, you know, there's just, there's so much to be learned um, but such a smart man, right? Such a smart man. And, and, and here's, here's really the, when you think about it and I, you know, you think about some of these great coaches in the NFL or college and the tree of, of assistant coaches that have come from these great colleges or pro football teams. And it's sort of the same thing there. He, he taught all of us so much, whether we were managers or technicians and we all took what we learned and we've taken it to wherever we're at and we've tweaked it however we wanted to tweak it, but the principles are still the same and we're still all using it. And every day stuff comes out of my mouth that used to, I would hear from Leland or I would say at service champions and it all still applies. You well, know, you know, the other thing is you know, there's been a lot of guys that have, have come and started businesses and moved on and, and everybody's always trying to recreate the culture you had there. And I think that, you know, obviously I, I left service champions and I thought every AC company was the same, right? Like I, I went from, from there to, to home comfort and I got to realize very fast, like, oh, it's not all the same. Like the owners are not the same, like how they operate. Like, and, and I think that was one of the biggest, like takeaways for me was going from just this guy that just had every, that felt like every T was crossed and every dot was, you know, every I was dotted. Right. And I go to another place where it's just complete chaos and it looks nice. They're wearing white uniforms. They have wrapped trucks or trucks look nice and they show up, but it's not the same. And obviously you've worked at other AC companies and ever since, you know, service champions, is that kind of the, the reality that you walk into most of these places? Like, how are you operating like this? Y'all are fucking wild. It's uh, 100%. I, I left Service Champions and moved to Vancouver, British Columbia and walked into the largest residential heating and plumbing company in all of Canada there. And my job was to run it and to do try to duplicate what we did at Service Champions. And man, I mean, sometimes you walk in and you're just like, this is going to, this is a task, right? This is going to take me years. But they don't understand customer service the way that we were taught customer service, right? It was all about going in, just giving a five-star service, leaving with a review or a, a maintenance agreement at a minimum, and hopefully you've turned a lead, right? But to spend two hours, two and a half hours, and it's turtle wax on the condenser, and it's 
you know, running your vacuum for 30 minutes and all that stuff, right? It's smart stuff. And uh, thank you, Frank Spear. Thank you, you know, Mike and Steve Smith and all the great guys that participated in putting that together and all the, you know, the, the smart people. But that whole process, sort of take it somewhere else and to, to, to teach it, um, the buy-in, it's just you really have to just repetitive and repetitive and hold people accountable because you can teach it. And if you don't hold anybody accountable, it's never going to happen, right? Yeah, and that's and that's what I deal with, right? So obviously, I do sales training and, and technical training. I, tra- I train people nationally, and you know, I have my app that teaches the process that we've learned, right? And and a lot of guys, if they imply, every once they apply it, they're like, "Holy shit, I'm making more money than I've ever made." But then, if it goes a couple days or a week, or they're not making any sales, all of a sudden they stop doing it. And the, I think that was the beauty of it. It wasn't just like, hey, we just did this just to do it. We did it for a reason. Like all of us had a mindset. We were going in to take some fucking money. Like that was like, we're going to go make money. This is how we make money. We don't skip the steps. So I find it now, like I'm teaching these companies. Like I was just out of the company last week and I'm, and I'm fighting. I was telling you, I was fighting the service manager because they're running 20 calls a day. And I'm like, you cannot run 20 calls a day. Like you only can run four, maybe five if there's no traffic, right? California, we got a lot of traffic. So five's pushing it. Right. And I'm like, if you cut back that and you hired more people, ran less calls per person, you're going to make more money. And I got the old school service manager like, don't listen to Victor. We're not fucking doing this. And I'm like, dude, the owner paid me to come here to fix this shit, you know? So it's, and that's it's why that, that company will always be the way that it has been. And they don't realize that the less calls you run, the more money you make, right? These are These are proven facts. We know that if you go spend two and a half hours and you have a great nozzle for your hose and you've got you know you just put on the show and if you're doing all that stuff and touch them every 10 minutes and you know get them involved and use your straightforward pricing and and all of that stuff it just it's it's, you'll be printing money but for those companies that want to run six and seven calls and they're in and out popping in capacitors guess what they're not selling any service agreements they're not getting any reviews they'll never be any more than they are you know I think the the hardest thing is just obviously holding people accountable. I think that was one of the biggest things for me, like obviously starting my business, you know how you want things done. You expect things to get done that way. And then you can't monitor every little thing. And on a startup, I can't hire a bunch of managers, right? So I'm having to train the guys and trust that they're doing it. And I think the the one thing that's, you know, allowed my business now to be more just generating money, like we're, I think we have an average blended average, of like $2,500 per call now, which before it wasn't like that. It was like 1600, 1500, right? And the way I was able to fix that is I, I took, I took a, a good communicator. I said, hey, you are the call by call manager now. Your job is to make sure every damn thing is followed on every single call. And ever since I've done that, you know, he's helping the guys communicate how to sell repairs, doing stuff like that. And I think that's what's been the biggest thing for me. Like now I know day in and day out, my business is now like, like uh, In-N-Out or McDonald's. It's going to be the same thing every single call. Otherwise, they don't get another call. And once I cut that, made that cut off and said, this is how we do business. And, if you, and I made my guys sign off and say, hey, look, at you're signing off. This is how we do business. If you don't do this, you don't work here. And that's how sometimes you have, you have to be. You have to you have to be assertive and say, look, we don't this is what we do. Have you had to you know, put people in that position before? How, how did that how did that happen in, in Columbia, British Columbia? That's the hardest part, because you have people and especially, you know, up in British Columbia, you know, you, I walk in and there's a bunch of technicians that are 50 and 60 years old. And at Service Champions, you know, our new hire classes, everyone's 23 years old, right? Yeah. And we were going to teach them our way and they weren't going to have a bunch of bad habits. But up there, 
you know, you have guys that have been doing the stuff the same way for 25 years and, you know, you're trying to preach to them about this stuff. And, you know, I would, I broke it down into different groups and had different meetings every morning and built a training room and, uh, you know, did my best with it. You know, some of those old guys, you just can't, you can't change them, right? They're just old wrench turners and they don't understand customer service, right? And they're saying we're ripoffs and things like that. And yep. I think that yep. that was what separated, you know, service champions from all the competitors is that they did train everybody in the same way with me, 95% of my staffs never worked anywhere else. And the ones that have worked at other places worked at service champions. So it's yeah. like, for me, I'm like, I, I just won't hire them. I just, every time I bring a, you know, bring a technician or a sales guy in from, you know, say, you know, the, the big X down the street or whatever, they come in, they just can't follow the process because they're just used to doing whatever they want. As I, Hey, we don't do that here. This is how we do things. And if you don't want to do things that way, then I'm not interested in having you because I'm not going to make the same amount of money and I'm not going to waste money on marketing on someone that's not willing to put in the effort to do things the right way, not only for the business or for their, just, but for their customer too. And that's what you should be telling them, right? It's, it's a, uh, you know, they all, as long as it's a, a level playing field and we give everybody the same opportunity and you present it that way and say, listen, I'm going to teach you a different way to run a call. I guarantee you that this is the way that you're going to make the most money. If you choose to follow this way, fantastic. You're going to just be, you know, you're going to have a, a great year of income. If you don't, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but I need you to run it my way, right? Because well, it's think, proven and it works. I think the first time you showed me, you were the one that went through our pay plan for the first time. And I still remember right. seeing it. I'm like, I, I literally that, I got out of the meeting that day and I called my wife. I'm like, you're never gonna have to work a day in your life. Like you should see the money they're gonna pay me to do this stupid shit. Cause I went from, you know, doing oil changes for fucking $6 an hour, getting my face burnt to, I just got to offer this and I get 200 fucking dollars. Like, come on, this yeah. is the best thing ever. And I remember you breaking, we're sitting in that meeting and you're breaking down, hey, how much money do you want to make per day? And I think at that point I was like, I want to make $150 a day. And you're, and you're like, dude, let me do some math on you. He's like, run this, this, and this. He's like, $150 a day, you'll be broke. I'm like, I didn't yep. think about that. It started making me think like, okay, I got to hit. I remember I left that meeting. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to make $300 a day. And I never once in my life made less than $300 a day after that. Like once I started getting the field and tracking the numbers and keeping up to it, but I never before, like I would just go to sh do shit willy nilly. And I, once I started watching you guys and like, this is how you make money. I'm like, okay, well, day one, this is how I'm doing it. So let's make sure it happens. And I think that's what allowed me to take off so quick is I didn't skip the process. I'm like, no matter what, I don't care if it's eight o'clock at night or eight in the morning, I'm going to run it the same exact way and make money. And I think that was some of the stuff that you guys instilled in us in training that, that made it special. Um, well, so thanks for that. It's good that you remember those meetings. I remember being in that back little room with, uh, and being on that whiteboard, penciling out, you know, how much you needed to make to, to take care of your obligations. So I'm glad. Yeah. You remember that. Well, I mean, like I said, it's, there's, there's always, you know, along the way, like some of the guys that you mentioned, like, you know, I've been taking big bits and pieces from all these guys and, and I'm grateful for all of them. Some of them I don't talk to anymore. Some of them like to talk shit on me or whatever, but at, at the end of the day, like they're still running calls and I'm, running multiple businesses i like to remind them um <laughs> so that, that's a you know that's a, it's a great equalizer like hey oh do you have i don't have to go to work tomorrow do you you do okay that's cool <laughs> it, it that's always going to happen right and you know I, I love all those guys and you know some of those guys are going to be there for the next 10 15 years running calls and they'll be paid handsomely to do so more than anywhere in the country right oh dude but every I'm happy for all of the people. I'm happy for everybody's success, right? Um, you know, all we ever tried to do is just take a young man and mold them and give them an opportunity. And whatever they chose to do with it is up to them.
right? So what was your thought process back then? Because I know like you did training classes like almost every two months, but you would always start with, you know, 10 to 15 guys. And by the time you're done, I think only two guys in my, or two or three guys in my training class actually made it out. So what was the, the attrition thought process behind that? Like, Hey, how many do you really think are going to make it out of each class? We knew that, you know, if we could put together a class of, and we would start, let's say with 15 at that time, and I'm talking back in 2012, or I think you were 2014, were you 2014, 2015. So at that time we were probably trying to put together a class of between 15 to 20. And we knew that that 15 to 20 during the 10 weeks, um, after two or three weeks that we'll call it 15 was going to be 13. And then by the end of the 10 weeks, that 13 was going to be 10. And then we would put 10. And then at the end of the 10, at the end of the 10 weeks, we would say, okay, do these, do we really want to put all 10 of these guys in trucks or what do you want to do here? Let's throw one of them in install and we'll just go with nine. We would put nine in the field. And of those nine, we would have two absolute rock stars. And uh, the other seven, you know, a couple of them would bone out. And then the other, you know, three or four would end up being decent, you know, M2 service technicians. But, uh, you know, we, we did this so that we could come up with a few rock stars. And the rock stars that came out of there, they rose up, you know, they just shot to the top. And we we couldn't keep them from becoming senior technicians. So the more that the more people you bring in, you know, the more you're going to be able to, uh, to find those, those hidden gems. Right. Yeah. And I remember when I first came in, I think there was a, there's another guy named Tony. I remember he had long hair guy. He made him a comfort advisor. Tony and Walker. Remember, Tony Walker. Yeah. I remember Tony Walker. Yeah. He, he was in my class with me and I still remember I was so mad. I'm like, dude, Lawrence made that guy the fucking comfort advisor and I'm the technician. This is bullshit. That guy sucks. <laughs> and I would, I would get I, so pissed. I, I went against my own rules. We never, he was an M1. And here was the thing. That guy looked like he belonged on a soap opera. Oh, he yeah. Was like yeah, six dude. foot, six foot four strapping. He would baritone voice. Oh, yeah. And he came from remodeling and construction. And I said to myself, okay, guys, I'm going to grab this guy and I'm going to spend 30 days with him and teach him how to sell. I apologize that I did not grab you <laughs> at that same time. But I, but I just didn't do that very often, right? Well, it worked out for me. And, and at that point, I still remember like, dude, come on, dude. Like Tony, like I rode with him and I'm like, this guy can't hang like at all. And, and, I, and whatever. So, but I, looking back now, I'm like, I got, I was a blessing, right? So a lot of guys don't realize it's like technician wise, right? Everybody wants to be the sales guy fast. I want to be the sales guy tomorrow. And I think that was the beauty of service champions too is that they made you work your dick off to be able to even get promoted. And every time you got promoted, you got to wait another two to three, four months before you got to go to the next level. And you had to keep hitting your numbers and you had to keep sharpening your tools and sharpening your tools and sharpening your tools. So by the time you got to senior tech, there was no question if you can sell, if you can do it, like you've already had to go through a gauntlet to get there. And I talked to a lot of business owners and I'm like, dude, you got to slow these guys down. They got to take time. They have to have attain, they have to have obtainable goals. And they have to prove that they can hit those goals month after month after month before you give them their book. Because the second you give them their book and these guys aren't ready, they're going to flounder. They're going to hate the job and then they're going to be gone or or yeah. the worst, they're going to stay and they're going to burn all your money. And I think that's one of the things that, I'm, that I've done good now within my business is I make sure that like, hey, I'm not promoting these guys until I'm 100% sure. Hey, have you hit these KPIs for three months in a row, right? And that was, I used to get pissed because I would I was beating everybody, but leave them like, Oh, you hit 200,000, but you didn't sell 45% on your club. So you're going to wait another month. And I'm like, what? 
you're gonna make me wait another month because I didn't turn over clubs. Like, get out of here. But that's how that's how it was. And and they 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 tracked the numbers and they how they displayed the numbers to the entire staff and the KPIs, it just drove competition. Like, like if you have a business right now and there's no competition, these guys aren't talking about how they're gonna beat each other next month. You probably have a business that's failing, is my guess. Because if you don't got those guys that are motivated day in and day out to go earn you money, your business is gonna be struggling. And, and I think that's that's one of the biggest things is like sales is important, but you gotta have just motivated dudes. Like I got a I got a room full of dogs now. Like I didn't always have this. Now it's like, dude, these guys, I don't have to question them. I don't micromanage them. I just know that day in and day out they're gonna bring me money. And I, and a lot of guys don't have that within their business. And then they're like, I don't understand why these guys are making all this money. Well, you got to get the right guys on your team. Would you agree? Agree 100%. And the beauty of the business model at Service Champions was that if you weren't going to come up with your numbers, if you weren't going to go ahead and sell the right club ratio, guess what? There was a training group that was on your heels and we had a bunch of guys that were going to fill your spot, right? So the pressure was on and you were looking around at you know either shoulder and the guys that were in your group like, okay, I got to go out there and perform today, right? And you know, as a company, you need to also celebrate their successes, do the shout outs, let everybody know that, hey, Johnny Technician M1 is out there and he just sold three service agreements today and got two five star reviews. Pump him up and he goes out the next day and doubles his effort. Right. That's I think, important stuff. I think uh, one of the one of the, the things that you used to do. So every every day or the next day, you would always send out this long, lengthy, oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name showed up on a call and then he did this and that he came out with his gold system and like, you would have this like instead of just saying the numbers like you wrote like a paragraph for every sale and how they sold okay. it and what they did on the call and i still remember like we'd be i mean we'd just be waiting all day because we didn't the sales guys wouldn't tell the technicians that the damn lead sold so the technicians right. were sitting there waiting for lawrence's to send where the fuck is lawrence why wasn't he sent this out yet <laughs> I, so, I always made a i made a rule that by 10 p.m i had to capsulize the entire sales day and it was a lot like I was managing a lot, but it was important to me to celebrate everybody's accomplishments. And if Jim Dotson went out and sold a, a Victor turnover, I was going to mention both you guys, tell a little bit of the story, say, hey, they grabbed 18,000 in revenue. And then Daniel Arroyos went out and sold a turnover from this guy and then just and said, hey, guess what? We did 212,000 in revenue today. Great job, everybody. Get some rest and let's do it again the next day. Well, I think so. the uh, there was one zero dollar day. I remember I had just got out of training, and I remember we were sitting in there. Tina was there, you were there, and you had to send out that message like, "There's nothing nice to say. Don't say nothing at all." I think that was the first time I've ever seen a zero dollar day at Service Champions. It was in like uh, April 2015. Yeah, like, that's the look on your face. Pissed. Everybody's pissed, and it's just that's it's just right. Like, that's how the culture is man like everybody is all about you know we have to win like we there was no there was no if we're gonna sell or if we're gonna do shit like we we go out we this is what we do we provide the highest level of service and and we're gonna make sure that when they leave there there's not a better company that they, they don't feel like they can get a better company than us and and i it's it's invaluable and i tell people all the time like oh like oh what's the key to your success i said the key to my success is i i happen to show up in the right company at the right time and, and be around the right people. And then also shut the hell up and learn, listen when you don't know. And then, you know, obviously talk when you're the one that knows. And, and I think that was the other thing is that within that business, everybody was willing to help each other too. For the most part, there were some guys that didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but it was a culture that when I came in, guys, 
took me under their wing. They helped me. And then I, along this, along the way, I took those guys, I took other guys under my wing and you probably know like how many guys like that were under your wing that are now successful. And like, even for me, I watched all those guys that I helped and I was a couple of them that own their own businesses now and stuff. And it's, it's kind of cool to see. And most places aren't like that. They just want to keep it to themselves. Like they're, they don't want to give the other guy an opportunity to beat them. And I think that we had something great with that. We had something really great. And, but, but the reason that this has happened that, you and so many other guys have gone on to this great success with their own businesses or whatever. It's because they paid attention to the lessons yeah. that were being taught and they learned and they said, you know what, this whole business model, it really, it's really special. And they take it on the road and they start their own gig. And, um, you know, there's a few guys in Southern California that have done that to great success. And I'm proud of all of you guys. And I, you know, I remember you when you guys were young and just out there selling and look at all you guys now, you know, well, I, lost, I lost a lot of money starting my business, trying to build a baby service champions. Cause I, I went from, you know, I went from service champions where you just have, you have managers in place and you have this and that. And I didn't realize that that took years to get to that point. So when I started my business, like I want to build a like service champions. I want, I need a manager for this. I need this. I need this. And all my overhead grew, you know, extra, exponentially, exponentially. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like this, you can't run it like this. Like, I don't know how, but you also, I didn't cap factor in that Leland's charging $25,000 for the system and I'm charging like 12 and you can't, you can't have all those managers. You can't have all those nice things. So a lot of guys like sales guys, right? Like they're in the field. I can't believe we're charging this much. Right. And at the end of the day, but they want all the, they want the managers, they want all the stuff and all the trips and all the cool things, but they don't want to charge the right price. And it's like, Hey, what do you want here? Do you want to have a, a shitty company with shitty trucks and no vacation and no, no 401k or any of that stuff? Or do you want to have a real business? And, and a lot of guys just haven't been able to grasp that, but you go talk to someone like a Daniel Royce, right? And Daniel Royce, all he cares about is selling full book. Like that guy don't discount and he's selling $30,000 systems. And I'm like, dude, what is like you got like how do you do that to someone's grandma? No, I'm just kidding. But Arroyo, he made a million dollars selling air conditioning. So a lot of guys think you got to be an owner to make a million dollars. Daniel made a million fucking dollars selling residential heating and air conditioning in Southern California. Like who would have thought that was even possible? He's such a special talent, and um, and that's a massive income to make. But this is a guy that it was it was all sweat equity, right? This is a guy that started as an installer and ended up being one of the better turnover technicians in the history of the company. Then we got on, when he got on his own, he was selling his own calls, right? He was selling his own calls, which really promoted him to be able to get the turnovers, right? That's how we sort of worked it. And, you know, now look at the guy, he's just selling $7 million a year and, um, Man, what a what a great success. Love that guy. And he's wearing, he's wearing, the, he's wearing the wrong jersey now, but whatever. Have that conversation hey, later. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, and and but you know also how it is in heating and air conditioning. It's like I was saying with football, the, the great college and NFL coaches, they've been to 20 places, right? Yeah. Um, it's not that much different with great selling technicians or comfort advisors. A lot of them are a little too well traveled. There's always going to be an opportunity to pick a guy up because guess what? He gets disillusioned with his pay or the kinds of calls that he's getting or something, and there's going to be a day when you can grab them. So you just have to wait patiently. Well, I think that was the the biggest thing going from, you know, the a little fish in a big pond at Service Champions and going to another company where I was the dog, like I was it, like without, if I didn't sell today, the business wasn't going to do anything. But I think that was one of the weirdest things, like going and 
going from being a group of guys that are just motivated just to sell the shit out of stuff. And, and I remember the sales meetings and Leland coming in and fucking slamming tables and, and of us, all of us just like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, we we need to sell some shit today. And I go to these, go to this other company and I'm sitting there like these guys didn't give a shit. And I'm like, wait, like, what's your process? Well, you know, I kind of just show up and I'm like, dude, like yeah. we were taught like we're day to day. I'm like, this is how we do things. Even if we were tired, we still did it the same way because we wanted to make money. A lot of these guys just don't have that motivation. So like I said, I just got blessed to work there. Leaving service champions, you know, obviously I think you had just got pretty sick, right? You had left with some uh, append appendix. Is that what you have? Appendix? appendix. I have my appendix out and it was just, it got infected and just all kinds of just madness that you never expect in your life so yeah and then uh from there you went up to you went up to british columbia and then didn't you yeah. were you up in northern california what were you where were you at after so that? i was in british columbia and uh spent three years up there running that company and was just going to stay there right um didn't have any plans to to leave uh met my now wife up there and just who's from calgary and and we were living in vancouver at the time but uh, the funny thing is, is my phone rang and it was Leland Smith and he said, Hey, um, sold my business. And I'm like, sold your business. He said, yeah, sold my business. And we just bought a couple of other companies in Northern California and, you know, service champions was the platform company in that purchase. He said, so the plan was, you know, when you're the platform company that you're going to go ahead and manage and try to duplicate the processes, the systems and there aren't many people who can walk into a building and teach the service champions way, you know, walking on earth. Right. And I'm one of the, one of the few. So he said, I'd be interested in having you come up. There's two locations in Northern California. If you could go up there, manage these two locations, get these places in order. And um, so I did that um, and, and moved from Canada to Northern California um, and really did it, turned it, around in in a shorter amount of time than anybody thought we would be able to um and then had the great opportunity to have a piece of brody pinnell here which has been a blessing and just uh you know i've i've had a great career man i've just been fortunate and um but i'm still i'm still standing in front of technicians every day teaching them about selling service agreements teaching them about you know selling attic insulation teaching them about educating their customers. So I remember, I remember when you rolled out the attic insulation stuff and, and no one wanted to sell it because everyone's focused. I'm, you know, Luke's on ducks and, the, and Jim and them only want to care about the, about the equipment. And, and I still remember Angel. So Angel's like, well, you guys are going to let me sell. And, and Lord knows Angel don't want to fucking work. Like you don't want to, if I don't got to work and I don't got to pull, I don't got to pull out a tool bag. That's what I want to do. And I still remember, right. he's like, I remember he walked up and there's this big old pile of insulation. He goes, he slaps it. He's like, I sell cotton balls and that's what I sell now. And that dude sold like three something million or over $3 million of fucking cotton balls last year, which is nuts. And uh, yeah, man, it's, I think, I think a lot of, so we do attic insulation too. And that's because obviously I, I was at service champions and saw the process and I'm like, dude, the margins are there. Right. And a lot of people will shy away from it, but it's like anything else. Like I still, like, I don't even know how the hell Leland came up with some of his pricing. Like it was like a $7,000 water heater or something. And he's like, yeah, it's a $7,000 water heater. We're like, well, you want us to sell a fucking $7,000 water heater? Are you out of your mind? But people would buy it. And it's like, dude, how did, how did it's because he had built this reputation. They got the club members and they just trust us. And, and I'm like, dude, some of the pricing, I'm like, I, I looked, I remember I was on a call one time and I was with a tech and I was like, 
do you see that? He's like, I'm like, the new price book just came out. It's like $26,000 for the, the three-ton two-stage system. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go. And, and the ducks are another 12 grand on top of that. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be $40,000. Would you like to pay cash, check, or credit? Like, how do you right. pay this? And it, I mean, it, it worked, right? And that's that's where and the, I think the beauty of his pay plan is is also a lot of the story behind Service Champion. He paid better than everybody, right? He paid it better than everybody. And how he had his pay plan set up is that you didn't want a discount because you're just throwing your money in the trash. Where a lot of businesses, like, even if you discount, they're still paying 10% or 8%. Like at Service Champions, if you didn't hold book price, you just started kicking yourself in the teeth. And then I remember my manager would show me, hey, every time you discount, look how much money you lost this year, right? And I think that that's important too, is how you guys, how you set up your pay plans that incentivize guys to do things that are right for the company. Because we would get, you would get 12%, but if you had, if you didn't discount, you get up to 16% on some of these calls and it just taught you to never discount. And that's what allowed to hold that gross margin and be able to scale the business like they did. So, and that's the way to, to make up, that's the way to make a million dollars selling air conditioning too, right? Is just, but the only way that you're going to sell it book is to go in and give people just an amazing experience, right? Because people that have the means to spend 25 or $30,000 on air conditioning, the difference between 20 and 25 isn't that great, but if you give them an amazing experience and you paint the picture and you educate them, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with it at book price. That's fine. And it, you know, it's just, it's all, that's why we spent so much time teaching everybody the process so well, because we ended up getting book price, you know, for a lot of those jobs. For everything. I still remember I was with Daniel Royce and I turned over a lead and we're, he was going through the pictures and showing the lady, how that we're going to bubble wrap and do all this stuff. And he quoted $36,000 and the lady's looking at her husband. I'm not paying $36,000. And she said, I want it to look like fucking that. <laughs> and then it worked. And the lady, the lady ended up buying for 36,000. The husband just fucking pissed because the other guy showed him their installs and didn't have all the bubble wrap. She's like, look at, they don't have any of that shit. And that's how I want my stuff done. And, da and Daniel has been here for three hours and he went through and crawled yep. through everything. The, yep. the beauty, the beauty of the sales process is just being there. Like we, I remember like we, I would call the dispatch and I'd say, Hey, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be here for like three, four hours. Like as soon as you smell an opportunity, you're just like, and they would understand that where most companies are like, wait, you can't be there for three to four hours. What are you doing? Hurry up and get to your next call. And uh, service champions allowed you to take your time. They wanted you to educate. They want, if you weren't there for two hours, they were asking you why the hell you weren't there for two hours. Where most companies, like if you're there for more than 30 minutes, like, Hey, what are you doing there? When are you going to get out? Right. Victor, we had as managers, each, uh, each manager had whatever his department was. If Gary had the, you know, whatever his group was and I had the seniors and whatever, but we had al alerts set up so that if you spent under a certain period of time, it alerted us and it said, Victor was only there for an hour and 30 minutes. Right. So we knew that we could call you and say, what happened? Right. What, what, why were you out of there so quick? So you guys, it was, you guys would stress us out about driving to work. You're like, I would, I remember like that. Cause if you weren't there at fucking seven, you're getting written up and shit. Like, dude, that was stressful, stressful as shit. And I, I am not, I'm not like that. And I, and I probably should be a little bit more due diligent, like more diligent on it. Right. Like I expect my guys to be there, but I'm like, they're two minutes late. I'm not going to hound them. But there you like, you would, I would get like a fucking aneurysm, like trying to drive there freaking out. Cause I'm going to get that phone call from Gary that I'm two minutes late. Uh, that was you should have seen the way it was in the older days, like back in, 2010 11 12 if you were one minute late and we we took it to an extreme but if you were 801 you had to come in at 6 a.m the next morning to see your manager and we would write you up like oh. it was but and then we started to you know realize okay that you know this is 
but we wanted to like, this was what it was. It was like, this is the way to run a call. And if you're not running it that way, you're not running it the right way. But I remember we were, that was a bit extreme. There was a guy in my training class in day one. He, uh, he showed, or he showed up late day one and they let him, oh no, he didn't show up late. He showed up with a, with a five o'clock shadow. And I remember they gave him a, a, a razor with no shaving cream and said, go shave dry your face. Razor. Yep. So he dry, dry shaved his face, went through, sat through class all day. And then they fired him at the end of the day. Cause he didn't come with a shaved face. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's fucked up. And this, this is my first day in with service champions. And this happens. So day two, my daughter is five months old at that time. Didn't sleep all night. My alarm doesn't go off. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Dude, they fired a guy for not shaving. I'm about to be late. It's the all-company meeting, right? And I'm driving there. And I'm like, and of course, there's dead stop traffic on the 55. Call my wife. I'm like, I might as well just turn around. They're going to fucking fire me anyway. She's like, just show up and try to blow. I'm like, You're, I'm wasting my fucking time. They fired a guy for not shaving yesterday. Like, I'm, I'm done. And I walk in the meeting. And it's all-company meeting. I think you're up front. Leland's standing in the back. So when I walk in the door, I don't have a cup. That's when they started making everybody wear uniforms to training. Right. I was just wearing a t-shirt. All my tattoos are out and I'm just like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm fucked. And, and for some reason, I don't know if it was you or Gary or somebody said, Hey, no, we want to keep this guy. But I was like, dude, I'm just like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm going to get fired. And that was the first time I've actually really met Leland, you know, face to face. And he shakes my hand and he's looking at my tattoos because he hates tattoos. Oh man, that was a mess. Well, you, you know, I, I, sort of remember something like that and yeah we may have given you some grace just because we saw something in you and we knew you were going to be a superstar so exactly. we uh it was all about you know and those those meetings as soon as seven o'clock we locked the back doors and you couldn't get in right yeah. um it was all about and that's that that was leland you know that's the way he taught us to run the company and i think we you know i know that i still abide by much of the same stuff and i'm very thankful right like it discipline is everything you know, well, we're just like I said, it's one of those things you just get you just get lucky, man. And and I, I feel like it just happened to be right place, right time. Otherwise, I don't know where I'd even be without without Leland, without you, without a lot of these guys that, that helped me along the way. I definitely wouldn't be here. I definitely wouldn't be, you know, anywhere near what I'm doing now. Probably would be working, working in a restaurant right now or a bar serving tables. So I've been been blessed. I've been, you know, I'm just very grateful for you and everybody else that's, you know, had I've had the opportunity to learn from along the way. So. We're at Brody Purnell now. What's what's the future hold? What's the game plan? You know, a lot of guys say, "Hey, I got a three to five year exit." What's the? Is this a long term build, or what's your game plan here? Um, th there's so much. You know, I get letters and phone calls and emails from people that want to buy our business every day, right? And our business is just not for sale. Um, I've been a part of a company that you know has 200, 300 trucks on the road, and my greatest, you know. My, maybe my greatest uh, uh, opportunity might be to just come in here and take a, a smallish company and build it to be the biggest thing, you know, in our territory. Right. I, I want the opportunity to just make something really large out of this. So I'm hiring, I'm just hiring people left and right. And I'm trying to do it quicker than I typically have done it in the past. I, I think I've been able to cut a lot of the time off of it because I've learned it so well. But that's what I'm going to do is I'm just going to continue to build this and continue to give people great customer service, uh, keep a great online reputation, teach technicians the same stuff that we taught you and give young men a great opportunity and uh, teach them to get reviews and sell service agreements and build a monster here. Right. Like, you know, I've already been there and sometimes, you know, your next incarnation may be your best 
best work yet. So I'm hoping this is my best work. Yeah. And I, and obviously I'm the same way, right? Like I get people all the time, they want to buy my business and I'm the same way I'm, I'm 33. Right. And I always, I always had a goal from day one that I wanted to build the biggest company in the country. And, and it's like one of those things I'm like, I can sell it tomorrow and make a good amount of money and, and be, I wouldn't have to work another day in my life. Like I, I make money doing, I wake money, I make money waking up, but that wouldn't be me. Like it would, it would be taking a piece out of me. Right. And, and the people that you cultivate, right. Like, how do I go look at people that I cultivate and say, Hey, see you guys later. Thanks for, thanks for making me some cash. And I just don't see it. And I think that's, I still remember, you know, I was a, was a salesman at the time. And one of the installers is like, dude, I think you're the next, you're the next Leland. Like you actually care about people. You want to do the right thing. And you want to, and you, you always just, you're relentless. Right. And I think that's where I want to be. I think, you know, I see myself at 33 going to, you know, 60, 60 years old. I feel like within those 30 years, there's not going to be someone that's done a lot, much more than me, or maybe there, maybe there will be, maybe they won't be, but I'm just going to be every day relentless on whatever I work on, whether it's hero stuff or training or, or even at absolute, like I'm just, I just got a beautiful culture. I have some great employees. Now I got to see, just like you have, you got to see people's lives change. Like guys that were, were, they were serving box or delivering boxes at Amazon now making hundreds of thousands a year. I had a cousin, I moved him out here from Ohio and he was making like $20 an hour. Now he's selling $300,000 a month. And this is only five months into business, like five months into this industry and seeing how it can change these people's lives. And I think that's what, that's, that's what I want to do. Like that's the feeling that when I, when someone says they come to me and say, I got the biggest check I've ever had, or I just bought myself a, uh, my first house or my first car or whatever it is, that's what I wake up for every day. And if you don't wake up for that, then it's going to be a hard time to grow. It's going to be hard to grow a business. Like if you want to grow a hundred million dollar business, you have to have that passion for people. And it seems like, you know, you've always had a passion for people and you've always kept in touch with those people that have, that you've helped along the way too, which is pretty cool. And like I said, I've learned it from a lot of really great people. I've, I've, I know so many people in this industry over 25 years and really fortunate that my Rolodex is, you know, just a bunch of really very accomplished business owners and we share ideas and we share stuff. And I knew if, you know, I know that if, for some reason they chained the doors here tomorrow and I didn't have this business. I, I have a skill set that I could take anywhere and, um, you know, just always continue to be successful and, and impact people's lives. Well, people ask me, like, man, like you're doing wild shit. You're growing this business so fast. I'm like, well, the cool thing is I know that if I fuck it up, I'll have a job tomorrow. Like if I, if I called anybody and say, Hey, yeah. you want me to come sell for you? I don't have a job. So we, it's like playing, it's like playing with house money at that point. It's like, dude, no matter what happens, like I'm not someone you wouldn't hire. Like anybody would hire me day one to come in and help their business grow. So I think that it gives us that, it gives us that upper hand where we're like, man, we'll, we'll figure it out. Like we can work our way through this. And, and if shit happens, shit hits the fan. Guess what? Like I got, I got backup plans where most people don't have that opportunity. So hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Well, Lawrence, man, it's, we're hitting, getting to the end here, man. Is there, um, is there anything else out there you want these people to know or things that you should, they should be focused on with their business or anything like that, that they, you, that can make an immediate impact? Uh, you know, I think does, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a small you know, little two or $3 million shop or whether you're, or even less, um, or if you're 20, $25 million, any of the success that I've had in this industry has been because of process, procedure, discipline, training, right? And the stuff that we were doing at Service Champions, in some way, shape or form, I was doing a lot of that stuff before I got there, right? And that's, you know, we're talking about guys running six, seven, eight calls a day. 
just simple things like that, right? You know, is, is the way to impact your bottom line and, and just make your business more successful. Little tweaks. It doesn't take much, Victor. You know, yeah. you, it's just, if you teach a guy to turn a lead, right. If you teach a guy to, to sell a, a service agreement the right way, or talk about IAQ and educate people. When I talk to my service technicians, I, and especially the new group that I have now, I've got nine of them and I was in front of them last week. And I said, you know, my greatest hope, and I've got one of them who was a service champion. He worked at service champions, right? And he's in that group. And I tell them, my greatest hope for all of you is to come out of here gangbusters. And I relate to them. I said, I come from a business where I had small training classes like this. And somebody always shot out of there and they were selling three air scrubbers a day or three service agreements a day. And everyone took notice. And if you can sell three service agreements a day, I bet you can turn two or three leads a day. And if you can turn two leads a day, you can sell two calls a day, right? And that's, it's just, and then all of a sudden you got a guy that's selling three or $4 million in air conditioning. And it's it's the stepping blocks, man. You just gotta, you gotta put, you gotta put things that obtainable things in place that are going to get them to where they want to go. And and once they get there, then put the next thing that's obtainable, but that's another thing for them to chase, to get better at. And I think that was Leland, you know, one of the things he would send me to all these trainings, right? Because he knew, I was moving up fast, but he's like, you know, how do I, how do I control this guy? Because he hasn't been through enough seasons, right? Cause you gotta be through a certain amount of seasons before you're comfortable in a house. So sure. I think that was one of the great things is that, you know, Leland would invest with me. Like I went to the Lennox, I went to like Lennox build a, build a salesman class or right. sent me out to Arkansas with all them fucking people I couldn't understand. Right. Is that, right. does that make good sense? Does that make, I'm like, oh, come on, yeah. man, get out of here. But that little stuff that is invaluable to your, to your employees. And, and like I said, I, you know, Leland might watch this or not, but I, you know, I'm grateful for him. Um, and you know, for a while there, he probably didn't like me much, but for like, for me, I'm, I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for everybody that, that we've been a part of and people that we've worked with. And, and I hope one day, like, you know, one day we all kind of can get together again and kind of celebrate and just kind of just talk about how great it was. Cause you know, service champions will never be like it was back then. It's just not going to, it's corporate now. Right. And there's just, you can't recreate that shit. And just every time I run into the guys that like, we all have this thing, like right away, we just click. Cause like we all been through some shit and we all got to see some wild stuff and everybody's become very successful. So it's pretty cool, man. Um, it's, it's a little fraternity, right? And, you know, if you were there in the days when we, they were writing names on the boards and marker with everyone's numbers, you know, before it became electronic. And if you were there, you know, those were just fun times. We were a growing company and, you know, we grew the best company in, in America, as far as I'm concerned. hundred percent. Well, Lawrence, man, like I said, it was a pleasure. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful to have you on and it's like I said, it's kind of cool to see everything come full circle. I was just telling you, I'm coming up on uh, seven years since I got the opportunity. It was March, March 3rd, 2015. And coming up on it and it's it's just been it's been an, appraise, an amazing ride and, and watching what you've done and watching these other guys done man it's just it's just cool and i can't wait to see where we are 10 years from now and how much farther along we've pushed everything so thanks for coming on lawrence we gotta definitely gotta get some lunch. we gotta catch up and get lunch i know i've been busy and stuff but sure. we'll get some lunch and and i can't wait to see brody Purnell grow and 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 just see you doing good things so uh thanks again thanks for tuning into the hero podcast guys uh, if you guys do like, make sure to like and subscribe on uh, Amazon or on um, Apple and also on Spotify. If you guys haven't got your Las Vegas tickets yet, they are almost, we are about 75% sold out for our event. Uh, we only have a few VIP tickets left. If you guys want general admission, this is going to be the best home service event in the, in the of the year period. Got some of the best speakers, best operators, best sales guys that are going to be there speaking. So if you haven't bought your tickets, go online and buy them at servicehero10x.com. Uh, Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Hero Podcast. Lawrence, it was a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. See you guys.